Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. We want to take a moment to remind you of an opportunity we have coming up in September. Our 2019 Ladies' Conference will be held on Friday, September 20th through Saturday, September 21st. This year's theme is Living Wise in a Foolish World. And you can find out more and sign up on our website at www.hbc-boise.org. That's www.hbc-boise.org. Well, this week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue in the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. If you're at all familiar with the religious leaders of Jesus' day, you know that the Pharisees and Sadducees were considered by themselves, as well as the Jewish people at large, to be the authoritative spokesmen for God and the best examples of what it meant to be a godly person. But Jesus thought different and made that very clear. And this fact has to cause us to wonder, are there those today who think they represent God on earth, who are thought by the people to be the best representative of God's truths, but who Jesus would judge to be his enemies and in direct opposition to God? Well, it was true then, and it should be no wonder that it would be true right now. The question we have to ask ourselves is, are we friends or foes to Jesus at the same time that we declare ourselves to be Christians? There will be much to consider as you listen in on today's slice of the sermon entitled, Following or Fighting Jesus. It's Mark chapter 2 again today, verses 13 through 17 is the little paragraph that describes the incident that is our focus today. And it's another case of Jesus simultaneously doing something wonderful for one person and exposing the the hypocritical corruption of the Pharisees and all who teach falsely as they did. You see, only grace can save. Man's works, no matter how impressive they are in the eyes of mankind, no matter how well intended they are, they contribute absolutely nothing to redemption. Human achievement cannot obtain salvation because even the very best deeds of the unrighteous are like Isaiah 64, 6 describes them, like a filthy garment before a holy God. Now, in Jesus' day, He ministered in the setting of a theological mindset that was absolutely pervasive among the Jews. The Pharisees of his day and their scholars called scribes taught something other than salvation by grace. It was a works righteousness system based on keeping a convoluted mass of laws, indeed, Many of them were Old Testament law, but most of them, uh, most of the things that they treated as most important were additions to the Word of God. In Luke 
chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus is speaking to some Pharisees, and He said to them, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men. But God knows the truth, for that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. What Jesus is saying is the very best you can do being Pharisees is just disgusting to God. It was that strong of a dichotomy. There's this famous passage that uh, I will actually refer to again later, Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some people who, and he was speaking to Pharisees, some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. By the way, that's what God thinks of prayers of self-righteous people. God, he says, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Because the Pharisees dominated the teaching in the synagogues, the, the religion of virtually all of first century Israel had become this works-based system of self-righteousness, obsessed with keeping external rituals and rules and man-made traditions. The Apostle Paul, who, remember, grew up as a Pharisee, was trained as a Pharisee, was a leader among the Pharisees, refers to himself as a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He wrote this in Romans 9, 31 and 32. He says, But Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works. Our passage today is a, another real-life example of the truth described by that parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The key person in our passage today, well, the key person is Jesus, but the focal point is the salvation of a man named Levi, and it was dramatic. So I invite you to Mark 2, 13 through 17, and I want you to see what happens. Number one, when Jesus calls someone. Number two, when a sinner is saved, then I want you to see what happens when hypocrites are offended. And finally, see what happens when Jesus explains. So see what happens when Jesus calls a sinner. Mark 2, 13. And he went out again by the seashore, and all the people were coming to him, and he was teaching them. Now that sets the scene for us. It hasn't changed from where we were in the last few uh, studies in, in Mark. It was the home of Peter and Andrew in Capernaum that Jesus used as headquarters during His ministry in Galilee, which was very extensive, about a year and a half. 
and to have more room to speak to more people at once. He apparently would often uh, leave the town and go down to the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and there he could accommodate more people, kind of like in an amphitheater outdoors. And as always, what he did when he was there, he was teaching them. That's what he did. That's what he came to do. He taught and he preached about the kingdom of God of which he is the king. He came to the Jews and, and he offered them the, the promised kingdom that God said was going to come. Now, had they, had they believed, I don't know how history would have, would have unfolded, but he truly was the king and he came preaching the gospel, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, preaching the good news. He was all about the king is here. Those who believed the prophecies of the Old Testament knew that the Messiah would come and the kingdom would become a reality. That's why Jesus taught His disciples to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's Matthew 6.10. So that's what it means when the Gospels say that Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. Or here He was teaching the people about those things. Now, on whatever day this happened, Jesus was on His way from one place to the other. I fancy Him having been at the seashore and having taught, and now He was probably on His way back home because of the sequence of the way the events are recorded here. And He has this dramatic encounter in which He calls another of His disciples who would eventually become an apostle. Look at verse 14. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Now, who is this guy? Well, um, here's what we know about him from Scripture. His name was Levi. His dad's name was Alphaeus. And he was a tax collector. His his backstory just isn't in the Bible at all. But he's sitting in the tax booth, so obviously we know that he is a tax collector. He's called here by his name, his, his Hebrew name, Levi. You probably know him better by his Greek name, Matthew. He's the one who wrote the gospel according to Matthew. And he's sitting in the tax booth. It's clear that he is a tax collector. That means that he was among the most despised people in Israel at that time. Now, what's a tax collector? You may be familiar with the King James uh, term for this, the way they translated it in the uh, archaic English. Uh, He was a a publican. That means a tax collector. It doesn't mean the opposite of a mocrat. All right? Um, You got to think that through and maybe even write it down if you didn't catch that. Cleverest thing I thought of all week long. Now, here's the situation. Because Israel was under Rome's thumb, Jews were required to pay taxes, which they considered most odious. In Galilee, the responsibility to collect those taxes fell under the purview of Herod Antipas, the Tetrarch. He's got that Herod name. He's a, he's a descendant of Herod the Great. Herod the Great's empire was broken into four parts, hence Tetrarch, or a fourth uh, a king of a fourth of those things. Well, Herod Antipas sold 
tax collection franchises to the highest bidder. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.